0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, November 18th. I'm your host, Mike Meharon. Thanks for tuning in. Inflation has gotten so bad, rich people are shopping at Walmart. Now, sounds like I'm setting up some kind of bad joke, right? But This is actually true. Walmart recently announced better than expected third quarter sales growth. Now, you might think, well, Mike, this is great economic news. Retailers making more money. Must be good economy. That is until you realize the reason behind the retailer's big jump in sales. As it turns out, wealthier shoppers are flocking to Walmart to make ends meet as rising prices are squeezing their pocketbooks. Meanwhile, Target, which I think is viewed as a little bit more upscale than Walmart, they had a really dismal earnings report. But Walmart said it is making, quote, strong grocery share gains, including from high income households. Quote, customers who came to us less frequently in the past are now shopping with us more often, including high income customers. This according to Walmart CEO Doug McMillan. So why are we seeing this shift of more affluent shoppers hitting the Walmart? Well, it's pretty simple. Necessity, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. People got to do what they got to do. And when your wallet is getting squeezed, you find ways to save money. Interestingly, Walmart also reported strong growth in its private brand sales, which is a uh, a sign shoppers are abandoning more expensive name brands and turning to lower-priced generic alternatives. According to CNN, other discount supermarkets, along with Dollar General, reported gaining new, wealthier customers as well, trying to manage budgets during these inflationary times. So, while CPI came in lower than expected in October, I talked about this at length last week, food prices continued to rise. The price of food at home increased by 0.6% month-on-month. Food at restaurants was up 9% on the month. On a year-to-year basis, food prices were up nearly 11% in October. And, of course, these are government numbers. A lot of things are a lot more expensive than that. Increased spending on food is forcing customers to cut in other areas as well. Walmart's third quarter report hints at this. While grocery sales increased in the mid-teens last quarter, the company reported softness in discretionary categories, including electronics, home, and apparel. In other words, people are cutting back on spending in other areas so they can manage higher food prices. This inflationary crunch is altering behavior in other ways as well. We're burying ourselves in debt. After setting a new record in the second quarter, household debt increased at the fastest pace in 15 years during Q3. Uh, American consumers have run up credit card balances month after month this year as they cope with higher prices. Meanwhile, rising interest rates have ballooned mortgage balances. According to the latest data from the New York Federal Reserve Bank, total household debt increased by $351 billion during the third quarter. It was the biggest nominal quarterly increase in household debt since 2007. Americans are now buried under a record $16.51 trillion in debt. Total household debt rose 2.2% from the second quarter and is up 8.3% year on year. So it's pretty clear that with Stimmy money long gone, Americans have turned to Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, in order to plug holes in their budgets as prices are continuing to skyrocket. Credit card balances surged by 15% year-on-year in the third quarter. Uh, That's a $38 billion increase between July and September. It was the biggest annual increase in credit card debt in more than two decades. Americans also appear to be tapping into their home equity to help make ends meet. According to the New York Fed, balances on home equity lines of credit increased by $3 billion in Q3. It was the second consecutive quarterly increase after years of declining balances. And of course, as debt increases, more and more people are struggling to keep up with payments. According to the New York Fed, "quote the share of current debt transitioning into delinquency increased for nearly all debt types following two years of historically low delinquency transition. So, People are running up more debt, and they're having a harder time making the payments. And of course, as interest rates are rising, that's increasing minimum payments. It's increasing balances. So really kind of a debt spiral that we're starting to see here now. So, you know, I've been thinking about this, economists and pundits and and people on the financial media, government people, they talk about inflation as an academic exercise, right? I mean, it kind of makes your eyes glaze over if you're watching CNBC and they start talking about inflation. I mean, most people don't care about monetary policy and CPI formulas and, you know, Federal Reserve mechanizations, but that's what they talk about on the news, right? For example, pundits and analysts like to look at core inflation. You know, they'll talk about core inflation, and and core inflation is decreased more, and that's good. And what is core inflation? Well, it strips out more volatile food and energy prices to gauge inflation, but. You know, you and I don't have that luxury, right? We can't just cut food out of our budgets. We have to pay the higher prices. So yippee, core inflation is down, but that doesn't mean squat to me when food prices are up 11%. So there's this disconnect between the way inflation data is reported and the way it's actually impacting our lives. And, of course, then you get the gaslighting. The experts will tell you that, well, you know, inflation isn't really that bad. After all, your wages are going up, too. And that's true. Wages are rising, but they aren't keeping up with prices. On an annual basis, real average hourly earnings decreased by 3% from September 2021 to September 2022. That was the 18th consecutive month of declining real wages on an annual basis. So your raise is really a 3% pay cut when you factor in the spiraling costs of everything. What I'm getting at here is when we talk about inflation, we're talking about real pain for real people. It's significantly altering people's behavior. We're seeing this increase in debt. We're seeing a decrease in savings. We're seeing wealthy people hanging out at the Walmart. The people that sit around and make fun of the Walmart people are now shopping there, right? Because government policy of money printing and borrowing and spending has strapped their budgets. And you know, if you happen to be somebody who's living on a fixed income or you're living off your savings, you're retired, you're really getting screwed as inflation is rapidly eating away your purchasing power and your income streams aren't increasing at all. Inflation always causes the most pain for the poor and the elderly. I think we need to talk more about this. Not too long ago, I was talking to Jeff Deist. He's the president over at the Mises Institute. And he made a really good point. He said that by and large, economists aren't good storytellers. You know, that's not their jam, it's not their lane. You know who is good at telling stories? Historians. That's why most Commonly held economic beliefs are rooted in historical narratives, things that you learned in high school or even junior high. I'll give you some examples. World War II solved the Great Depression. Greed caused the Great Depression. A lack of government regulation and corporate greed caused the 2008 financial crisis. The Fed has stabilized the economy. Pretty much everybody believes these stories, and they're basically BS. The problem is historians tell good stories. They're compelling. They they tap into our emotions, but they don't know squat about economics. Historians, I mean. I think Jeff is right, and that's why I think it's important to talk about the pain of inflation. The pain is real, right? Right. I can sit here and talk to you about debt monetization and how it impacts the bond market and how it's going to uh, you know, trickle through the, the economy. I can talk macroeconomics. We can talk about the national debt and how markets are reacting to all this, but you don't care. I mean, you might care because you're the type of person that listens to a podcast like this, but your neighbor doesn't care. Your neighbor doesn't give a squat about monetary policy or CPI data or formulas or any of that stuff. You know what he does care about? He cares about the fact that he just had to use his visa at Walmart to buy groceries. Your neighbor needs to understand that the pain that he's feeling is because of these government policies. Dice did a speech a while back titled, Inflation is State Sponsored Terrorism. And I actually interviewed him uh, for, uh, for Shift Gold not too long ago. I'll link to the uh, interview in the show notes page. Or not, yeah, I'll link to the interview and his speech. But I want to read just one little section of that speech that really drives home the point that I'm trying to make here. He said, here is an unspoken truth. Inflation also makes us worse people. So he's been talking about the economic impacts of inflation and kind of that technical stuff. And then he says inflation also makes us worse people. It degrades us morally. It almost forces us to choose current consumption over thrift. Economists call this high time preference, preferring material things today at the expense of saving or investing. It makes us live for the present at the expense of the future, the opposite of what all healthy societies do. Capital accumulation over time, the result of profit, saving and investing is how we all got here today a world with almost unimaginable material wealth all around us inflationism reverses this so this very human impulse to save for a rainy day and perhaps leave something for your children is upended inflationism is inescapably an anti-human policy an anti-human policy boom and never forget, this is on purpose. This is an intentional policy. This anti human policy, they do it knowingly, on purpose. That's the plan. You know why the government people are worried about inflation right now? because they overdid it. They went too far and you noticed. They always talk about the 2% target. Why, why 2%? I mean, that's an arbitrary number, right? There's no magic in 2%. Well, I'm convinced it's because they can get away with shrinking your purchasing power by 2% every single year and you won't notice or care. But you know, when it gets to 8%, suddenly you care. When you got to go to Walmart to buy groceries with your Visa card you care. So then it becomes a crisis. But I guarantee you that if they could get away with 8%, they'd do it. So the pain you're feeling, the politicians and the central bankers are doing this to you. They're doing it to you on purpose for their benefit, and they're trying to convince you that it's good for you. Don't buy it. So I got an email this week with a really good question that I wanted to answer here on the podcast uh, the listener wrote, I would like to know why some observers, including Peter Schiff, seem to believe that stagflation is the most likely near term outcome of the Fed's recent actions. Jay Powell's immediate goal appears to be demand destruction. Given that we've already witnessed a substantial decline in housing prices as a result of rising interest rates, shouldn't disinflation or even deflation be the more expected result for the U.S. economy? Good question, and there's a whole lot to unpack here. So, first off, the listener is right. Demand destruction is the goal of the Fed. Uh, you can hear it when they start talking about, you know, the need to even raise unemployment and 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 get people spending less. And of course, if this was successful, it would tamp down the price increases. If you lower demand, prices will fall. That's the plan. So theoretically if carried out to its fullest extent, it would do exactly what the listener said. It would cause disinflation. But I don't think it's going to be carried out to the fullest extent. My view is that the Fed has raised interest rates high enough to cause the economy to implode, but not high enough to rein in inflation. And when something breaks in the economy, when we see that Big stock market crash or that weird thing that happens that we can't even anticipate, and it becomes obvious that the economy is melting down. The Fed will go back to rate cuts and QE. In other words, it will abort the inflation fight to engage in a recession fight, and the end result will be more inflation along with a recession, which is of course stagflation. Now, keep in mind the entire U.S. economy is based on monetary stimulus. Any economic growth that we've seen over the last decade or more has been purely a function of easy money. It has created this massive wealth effect. It has pumped up the stock market. It- pumped up a housing bubble. It allowed people to run up all kinds of debt that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to run up, and that allowed them to spin, spin, spin. We are a consumption-based economy, and that consumption-based economy is fueled by easy money. So when you take that punch bowl away, when you take away the monetary stimulus, the economic growth stops. I mean, it's like, it's like the lifeblood of the economy. So the Fed can't Heighten for long without collapsing the entire economy. The uh, the listener mentioned uh, housing. Well, how do we get a housing bubble? How did the housing prices get so high to begin with? Well, obviously it was because mortgage rates were artificially low. It created this artificial stimulus in the housing market. We saw housing prices rise and rise and rise and, uh, you know, People were borrowing against their their houses because they could get low interest rates. All of that came to a screeching halt. Now we've got mortgage rates above 7%. We're starting to see the housing bubble lose its air. Housing prices are coming down. Now, he asked a good question. Isn't this disinflation? Well, yeah, in that specific aspect it is, but the cost of owning a house isn't falling at all. While the housing price is dropping, the mortgage payment is going up. And think about it. Most people don't buy a house. You're not really so worried about how much does the house cost. You're worried about how much is my payment. Payments aren't going down. In fact, they, they may be going up because I don't think housing prices are falling nearly as fast as mortgage rates are uh, jacking up the uh, the monthly payments. So that's not disinflationary overall. It's just basically, uh, you're losing your wealth effect, right? The value of your home is dropping. And same thing in the stock market. We're losing this wealth effect. The wealth effect is caused by the easy money. When the easy money is pulled away, we lose the wealth effect. The Fed just can't deal with this long term. Now, <clears throat> it is possible that we won't see anything break in the economy. It is possible that we won't have a big stock market crash and, uh, or a black swan event. Maybe we'll just muddle along in this kind of low-grade recession that we're in right now. But I still think the Fed will back off monetary tightening before it actually licks inflation. It's looking for an excuse to back off. As soon as it can plausibly say, you know, we're doing better it can ease off of the accelerator. It can do that pivot that Peter Schiff has been talking about. Because, again, it, we, we need the easy money to keep the economy rolling, and I think they know that deep down. So they don't really want to have to do this inflation fight long term. Even though they might be talking tough about it. And this is what the markets are betting on right now. Why has the stock market rallied since the CPI data came out? Why has gold rallied? We've seen big moves up in gold over the last couple of weeks. We're up nearly 100 dollars an ounce uh, from where we were before the CPI came out. Now, you remember how every time we got bad CPI data, gold sold off? That was because of the perception that there was this war on inflation that the Fed was going to win and interest rates were going to rise, etc. etc. Now the perception is the war is almost over. Everybody thinks the Fed is about done with rate hikes, but real interest rates are still negative. We still have an inflationary monetary policy. We still have prices increasing month on month. So the reason I think stagflation is more likely than disinflation is because I don't think the Fed has the stomach to win the inflation fight. I don't think there is the political will to keep monetary policy tight when it becomes clear that the economy is in a free fall. And I'm convinced that the economy can't roll along with interest rates this high, given all of the debt and malinvestments out there that this economy is built on. It's built on that foundation of easy money. It has to have the easy money. I don't think they can take the easy money away. I think stagflation is the end result. And that's why I've been buying gold and silver while the price has been low, because I'm convinced that inflation isn't going anywhere. Remember what I said, inflation is on purpose. They just want to make it back to the point that you don't really notice anymore. Even if they beat inflation, there is still inflation. Another dynamic Peter has been talking about is the dollar. The dollar has tanked since the CPI data release. Dollar index has declined by about 8% since its high eight weeks ago. The relative strength of the dollar has actually kept prices here from rising even higher than they could have. A strong dollar holds down import costs, but as the dollar loses strength, import costs will rise, and the U.S. consumer uses a lot of imports. So that means we sh- will likely see prices going up on imported products, which is the vast majority of the stuff that you're buying in the store. I'll link to Peter's podcast on this in the show notes. He basically argues that we're in the eye of the inflation storm. We're seeing some cooling right now, but it will be short-lived, and investors have been lulled into a false sense of security. And finally, the reason I think stagflation is most likely is because of the sheer scale of money printing that we've seen. You know, the seeds of this were sown after 2008. I mean, maybe even farther back than that. You can actually argue that uh, this inflation goes all the way back to the 90s when the Fed blew up the dot-com bubble. But let's just start at 2008. Since then, the Fed has created about $8 trillion and injected it into the economy. That right there is is inflation the rising consumer prices we're seeing are a result of that inflation always remember rising prices are the symptom money creation is inflation to get disinflation you have to get all of that money out of the system you need money destruction the real key all of this is quantitative tightening. The Fed needs to sell the assets on its balance sheet, all of its bonds and mortgage-backed securities, and it needs to absorb all of that cash that it injected into the system. That's what Ben Bernanke said would happen when he started QE in 2008. But that hasn't happened. And as I pointed out before, with the tightening plan they gave us last May, it would take over seven years to absorb just the money they created during the pandemic. And it can't even stick to that tepid plan. So I'm confident that there won't be disinflation. They might bring CPI down some, but Peter thinks that the falling dollar will bring it back up again. He said by mid-2023. And they won't stop inflation. Because again, the economy depends on money creation. So stagflation is the way forward. Rising prices, tepid or no economic growth. And I think that's what we're heading for. Before I sign off, I want to bring a couple of things to your attention. First off, our... Analyst Tony wrote a piece titled "Bitcoin Holders: Time is Running Out to Convert Nothing into Something," and he kind of breaks down uh, the big mess with this crypto exchange and what's been going on with Bitcoin. And he argues that now would be a good time to cash out the crypto that you're holding and maybe get into something uh, that has a little bit more um, stable value, i.e., gold and silver. And uh, I'll link to that in the show notes page. Also, if you are a person that is holding silver American Eagles, great opportunity for you right now. You can actually swap those out for silver bars and come away with 30% more silver without putting any cash into the transaction. This is possible because the premiums on Silver Eagles are extremely high right now because of issues that are going on over at the U.S. Mint. This isn't going to last long. It's a very unusual and short-term opportunity. But if you're interested in doing that, if you have a bunch of Silver Eagles, you can trade in those Silver Eagles for silver bars and actually end up with more silver, which could end up meaning you have a lot more money over time in the long run. So if you're interested in swapping out your crypto, swapping out your American Eagles, just buying gold and silver, Talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist today. Call 1 888 gold 160 or email them at infoshiftgold.com. At or you can just go to shiftgold.com, go to the getting started page. You can chat with a precious Metals specialist right there online. And uh, as I say every week, they will look at your portfolio, your investment goals, what you want to do, and help you see how precious metals can fit into your investment strategy. So with all of that, and, and I will link on the show notes page to uh, um, some more information about the Silver Eagles, if you're a Silver Eagle, Eagle holder and I piqued your curiosity, check that out, um, as well as Tony's Bitcoin article. So with that, we have a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. You can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Google Play, on uh, Stitcher, all of those things. YouTube links to those things are on the show notes page. You're welcome to write me, mmeharry at shiftgold.com. If you send me a question, I may answer it on the air like I did today. Uh, love hearing from folks. always appreciate getting feedback from you find people that are taking time out of your day to listen and i do appreciate that as well so with that we're going to wrap up this show i hope you have a fantastic weekend and a good thanksgiving and i will talk to you again next week